0: Welcome to the Cloudwater podcast, bringing you inside perspective and conversation from across the industry. Yeah, okay, let's try this um, let's try this, this soda. Which one's this?
1: This is the uh, Namban Yuzu Bergamot.
0: Oh, that's fucking delicious. Um, (laughs) Anya, it's nice to have you over for the afternoon um, uh, to talk a little bit about dry January, what it is, um, and I guess maybe a little bit about why I'm doing it and why you might be doing some of it. Um, (laughs) All of it. Who knows? We'll see. Who doesn't? Um, And I guess a little bit to talk about, you know, your experiences around mindful drinking, um... I th- I'm sure we can get into at both of our experiences working in beer uh, for a good number of years uh, of being exposed to alcohol um, at just about every... T- I'm pretty sure almost every room in this brewery has it's... alcohol in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's everywhere. Um, so we did a little bit of digging uh, for some facts um, around dry January. How many, how many people do dry january is it is it much of a thing
1: um so i think it's a pretty big thing um i couldn't find an exact figure for this year but uh, last year they estimated that 4.2 million people took place in dry january in the uk
0: wow that's quite a lot of people Um,
1: and this year it's suggested that one in 10 drinkers will take it on So we'll see. We'll see who does. So 10%
0: (laughs) of folk that would usually be drinking alcohol are going to be taking a break. yeah, Or or at least attempting a break. I guess that's what the figures show.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, we were chatting earlier, weren't we, about actually how big is the drinking population in the world when you consider all the different types of people that don't drink in general anyway. So
0: Yeah, I mean, actually, it seems to be... um, Sometimes uh, put out there as as a catastrophic or potentially catastrophic um, risk to the alcohol industry uh, to have a month where people are um, are reflecting on their drinking habits, uh, where as we've found maybe ten percent of the population that usually drinks is choosing uh, not to. Um, but you know we've 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 done a little bit of digging um, <laughs> and found that uh, out of uh, the 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 world's population uh, somewhere around about seven and a half billion, uh, there's there's over four point two billion people um, by our rough calculations uh, that that don't consume alcohol as a matter of course, whether they whether they're under the legal drinking age or whether they practice uh, a religion that. Prohibits alcohol consumption, or whether they just choose not to drink because they find that uh, that sober lifestyle uh, somehow better for them. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's an awful lot of people out there that um, I guess you can feel rather more connected to for this month if you're taking a break.
1: Definitely, and I think it's a nice opportunity just to kind of I sound like a hippie, but just to kind of reconnect with yourself as well um, and find ways to fill your time that you've maybe neglected a little bit um so i think it can be kind of quite a quite a treat
0: you've had (laughs) periods in this past couple of years where you've not necessarily done dry january but you've chosen to be abstinent for a week a month uh, or 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 longer than that Am i'm correct in saying that right
1: yeah so i think the longest was um about three and a half months i think last year um which was really nice. Um, I, I thought I would find it really hard, but it didn't mean that I didn't go to the pub still. I would still go to my favourite pubs and just find other things to drink that I liked, um, which sometimes was more challenging than, I, than it should have been. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think it just gave me opportunity to just kind of step back a little bit, get certain parts of life on track and and yeah, kind of reconnect to some core values, which I think is really important.
0: Uh, I mean, had you taken an extended period off before, you know, as a a drinking adult?
1: Um, No, I mean, (laughs) um, I was pretty ill in 2018 um, for like a year. So I ended up cutting down a lot um, because I was on some pretty hefty medication for a Mm -hmm. long time. But that was, I'd say that was more just... um, oh, I've cut down because I'm not well and I can't really cope with it, rather than cutting down because of any particular mindful attitude. And I feel like that's kind of come later. For sure. Um, So, yeah, I guess that kind of that three and a half months last year was, was the longest I've done so far. But I did really enjoy it. And I think, I think I'm think i doing a bit again now. I haven't decided. <laughs> Day at a time, see what happens. But yeah, I think I'm doing Dry January.
0: I think the really interesting point that you raised is um, Dry January does not have to spell a decline in business for uh, establishments that do most of their business by selling alcohol currently. Uh, it's entirely possible to entice people in uh, with activities that aren't drinking alcohol with products that aren't alcohol uh you know we've certainly seen a, a, a steep rise in drinking establishments uh, offering much better food uh you know food and drink coming together in a way that i don't think they have previously uh in craft beer um in the uk i should say you know it's kind of rather the norm to encounter good food offerings in the states when you're in beer establishments but it's it's starting to become a little bit more regular over here um i can't help but think uh that there are many more opportunities to explore not just in january but the year over many more opportunities to explore to make the sort of social hub spaces that a lot of drinking establishments try to be attractive during january for people that usually drink and are choosing not to and for some of these four billion people that don't drink anyhow i mean it 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 seems a little bit crazy to me that uh, folk in the industry stand up in opposition to dry (laughs) jan What, what do you think
1: yeah i think well yeah i think we often forget like primarily the purpose of pubs and bars surely is to to satisfy like a social need um for me first and foremost that's what going to these places is about um and then drinking if you're choosing to is secondary to that um so I think yeah we kind of need to (coughs) excuse me refresh our minds on on what the pub is actually for um but yeah we can absolutely make spaces more inclusive I think you see more and more now a, a better offer for people that aren't drinking. But I think for a long time, it's kind of like if you're not drinking, you just have to have a pint of Coke or a soda and lime, which is really boring. No one wants to drink that much sugar. Like if Nobody, you're staying yeah, out terrible. all night. Um, so I think it's kind of nice to slowly see people changing the offer that they have. And you see more things like kind of kombucha, um, interesting tea menus, all this kind of stuff. Um
0: <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think that I think that dry January um, could be seen as an opportunity in the same way that you know I mean we're we're also January's become uh, a, a month where a lot of businesses start to focus on their on their vegan and plant based food offerings. Uh, you know we've seen. Greggs who'd have thought Gregg's uh performed this phenomenal uplift in sales in January because rather than trash veganuary as being something that they just do not want to get involved in they've launched a couple of products now uh, uh, that seem to be doing really really well for them I uh, I'm gonna suggest that uh, pubs and bars should figure that stuff out um <laughs> you know in drinks offerings and not just in drinks offerings but of course you know when you get together with people and you're not drinking you're usually doing that around some kind of activity whether that's meeting up over food whether that's meeting up and and, and chatting so you know you need the music levels to not be too uh too aggressive uh in in, in public spaces to do that uh, whether you're meeting up and there's some kind of other activity like uh, you know you're going to play a game together um you know get yourself involved in a quiz whatever it is um I think that there are lots of opportunities for establishments to look at being more attractive, not just in January, but year round as spaces that uh, can be well used uh, even by sober uh, customers.
1: Definitely. And I think that's the important bit is like dry January is kind of a um, a nice reminder to people that some customers aren't drinking. But actually, if you're not inviting those people all year round and making that offer special all year round, then you may not see much success from it because it takes time to kind of build that customer base as well. And I think for a lot of people that aren't drinking, they're going to be loyal to the places that have always served them well um, and that have always provided them something interesting. So I think it's it's like a continued, like it's a sustained effort to entice those customers and to serve them as well as you would serve a drinking customer and to to make them feel as welcome and give them stuff to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm fiercely loyal to coffee shops that uh that pioneered here in manchester I'm, I'm i'm loyal to music shops that have always provided me with wonderful records when i go in and leaf through their fine selection you know i'm certainly very loyal to a lot of uh, bars and pubs in this city that either work to set up a wonderful atmosphere or have a really good tap list or uh, you know fresh beer whatever their focus is mm. um i can totally see that becoming uh reliable and showing that you care about people in that particular way too rather than shunning them as i as i, as I fear some folk are in the industry uh, are, are a little bit inclined to at this time of year you know kind of mocking the 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 the, the dry january escapades of some <laughs> um uh, you know for other for for so many people uh sobriety is a way of life um you, you the work that you've done uh with club soda i think has has exposed you to all manner of relationships with alcohol and with sobriety how how do you think establishments like best go about setting themselves up as somewhere that is respectful of what people need from a space that's public and open but also somewhere that you know they can sit and chill out for the, the the hour two three four kind of like you would if you you know you go to a pub with a friend to to drink you might be there for an hour you might be there for four five hours what what can establishments do to be attractive for extended visits to from sober drinkers
1: i think um yeah it's a good point i think a lot of places make the assumption that someone who isn't drinking is not going to spend the same money as somebody that is and I think often that's because you haven't got the things that they actually want to drink so I think it needs a commitment to actually putting a range of drinks available that interest people that give them the same level of choice and treat them like a grown-up and to talk about those things as well like there's no point in putting you know a nice soda or an alcohol-free beer in the corner of a dark fridge and then complaining that nobody bought it. Like, you know, you have to <laughs> advertise it. Like, you know, talk about it on your social media, tell people that it exists, write it on the menu. Oh my God. The amount of people that have some pretty interesting drinks and then just don't put them on the menu mm-hmm. and then complain that they never sell. Like what? <laughs> yeah, I mean I think a lot
0: of establishments, whether they're food led, whether they're alcohol led, um or, or whatever their business, I mean, then they put themselves out there as um uh, as, as providing an offering uh, that they've pulled together because they believe in it in some way shape or form mm. um and that might be a very speciality outlet that's really focusing on independent and freshness and whatnot uh you know it might be a, a, a far more sort of approachable uh, establishment that's focusing on drinks that are probably going to be good for anybody's taste um but i hear you on that i think I, so often i experience the low alcohol non-alcoholic drinks as being just really something that people feel like they have to do they're not really that interested in it but Mm. we are living now in a world where it as you've said it doesn't have to be the the saccharine overly sweet tooth rotting mass-produced soft drink it can be something that's seasonal Uh, it can be very low calorie it can be bloody interesting and have (laughs) some of the same wonderful flavor attributes that you might find, uh, in alcoholic beverages. Um, yeah, I think, I think you, I think you're really onto something there. It, it, you know, you, you, you're not going to feel respected to walk into an outlet as a sober person and, uh, you know, find that there's, just a single choice for you and no one really likes to give it to you anyway
1: yeah and I think it's about the language that we use as well like I can't think of a good example but you know you kind of see like little memes and things that basically imply like that it's pointless to not drink or something like that like I just think it's kind of a bit of a dated attitude and like for me if I'm in a period of time when I'm not drinking and I see a board outside that kind of mocks sobriety in an an untoward kind of way um, then that's a venue I'm not going to go to because I don't think they're going to understand my needs as a customer
0: I mean when people mock sobriety on an A board outside (laughs) of their pub are they saying that that you cannot have fun here if you're if you're acutely aware of your environment uh, yeah. <laughs> you know are, are they actually are they actually advertising how awful that place is <laughs> if you're stone cold sober and fully aware of the people and how you're being treated i mean it's it's weird isn't it, it why is would weird. you do that
1: i think a lot of it comes from feeling uncomfortable There's that classic thing of like, if someone says that they're not drinking, even if it's just there that day, it immediately makes you think about your own drinking, because ultimately you can't really escape the fact that they've probably made a healthier choice than you've made. And that's uncomfortable for people. So I think for a lot of people, they just feel a little bit challenged by by someone else's choices, which is fine. But I think it's much better to kind of acknowledge that you feel like that and then get over it and separate yourself from that kind of very personal feeling and just think about your business and, and maximizing the money in your tail and the, and the good times that your customers have. And it's, it's not about your own feelings about drinking.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm sure that there isn't a barkeeper um, uh, in this city that doesn't have something uh at their disposal for their customers that they don't personally find the best possible offering in that category mm. not everyone's gonna necessarily be thrilled about every single product that their customers are asking for um that's fine you know and, and people uh, people are in 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 the business of serving folk well uh you know putting things in front of their customers that that their customers are asking for or that they obviously really give a give a shit about themselves but uh yeah i think that there's also there's all sorts of ways in which establishments can engage in this uh uh dry january thing um without the the kind of animosity and the and the sense of sort of conflict or rejection um it's probably not going away is it i mean (laughs) if we look at figures um you know we pulled up some figures here of of sort of frequent drinkers people drinking you know five plus days a week and back in 2005 22 percent of men were drinking five plus days a week and 13 percent of women and th- and those figures have dropped a lot uh yeah. you know we shared we we're down 10 percent in 2017 to just twelve percent of, of of men saying that they drink five or more days a week, and mm-hmm. just eight percent of women. I, we've we've read it a lot in the press. Uh, we've seen it a lot in the news. We hear whispers of it throughout the industry, from both the alcohol industry looking at the you know the rise of 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 the of the of the, the sober millennial, um, through to you know movements like club soda finding more and more footing. Uh, and and more and more of an audience uh, Dry January is not going away so it definitely strikes me as something that's worth engaging in positively
1: yeah I think so and I think it's also a really good time to actually experiment and find out what works for you as a venue that can support you throughout the year you know if if you find a product that's really great in Dry January then keep it and shout about it all year round um, but yeah I think and also with young people um it's like there's a lot of stats that kind of suggest that young people more and more are actually never really starting drinking mm-hmm. and just choosing not to really bother. Um, so, yeah, there's there's I think I, I increasingly am frustrated when I meet people in the industry that are still like, oh, I think it's just I think it's just newspapers saying things. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's it's definitely happening. Like every week someone you know, someone that I've met at some point will message me on Facebook and be like, oh, I'm interested in in moderating my drinking. And like because I've sort of shared articles about it or whatever. And they're like, oh, if you got any advice or can you point me in the right direction or which alcohol free beer should I try and all this kind of stuff. Like it's definitely happening. For <laughs> like, sure. But yeah, I think as well, like especially for younger people, I think the more and more. Um, we use social media. I think the more pressure people feel to behave in certain ways and be seen to be a certain thing. So I think for a lot of people, you know if their kind of persona, particularly online is that they're they're slim and they work out a lot, they don't then want to be caught you know in a video vomiting on themselves like it's it's there's a lot of pressure on people i think to behave in certain ways
0: yeah i think um, if i'd lived my uh teenage years now online Shit. now i'd be <laughs> fucking terrified no like, i'd be in a know, permanent
1: state of anxiety you know, cancel
0: culture and all this kind of stuff yeah. must weigh heavy on, on you know in the hearts of of younger people that are trying to make you know trying to make a place for, and a space for themselves in the world uh, it must be terrifying to run the risk of um, outing yourself as a regular human being.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not perfect, <laughs> um, definitely. Yeah,
0: I can't imagine how that how that pressure unfolds on folk. What you you are possibly probably engaging in dry January? I think why, so. Why is that? What are you going to get out of it?
1: Well, so I cut down a lot in the last couple of years anyway because. I was a bit miserable, and I found that exercising and challenging myself to exercise was a really good way to get myself out of a bad headspace. And if you want to exercise more, you definitely need to drink a little less if, well, if you're a regular drinker, which I was, because I worked in beer. Um, So I I noticed the benefits then anyway, and then with being unwell, um, again, just kind of got used to not drinking very much. And then having this, um, this break towards the end of last year, that's three and a half months. Um, that was a very intentional break. And that was all about thinking about my drinking, thinking about how I've drunk historically and how I'd like to drink in the future. Because I, I love beer. I love I love I love booze. I enjoy drinking. Um but I don't necessarily enjoy the long term impact that it has on me if it gets out of balance. So, yeah for
0: sure. I can resonate with that.
1: Yeah. So that break was about finding I suppose finding where I sit with it. And thinking about whether there's a place for it in the future, which I think there is. I hope that there is because I enjoy it, but we'll see. Um, but I mean, Drew from Club Soda, so he talks about there being like two types of happiness that play into drinking. So you have your hedonic happiness, which is kind of like your in the moment, euphoric feeling that you might get from being on yeah. a roller coaster or, you know, from being a bit pissed. Um, and then you have your eudaimonic happiness which is more of a kind of long-term feeling, um, gosh, what's the word? A feeling of satisfaction and meaning in your life Mm -hmm. that that brings a a deeper, more long-term happiness. And I feel like when I wasn't drinking, I got more of that. I got more of that sense of purpose. I was more productive. Um, And I think I just took more steps towards the lifestyle that I want to have. So now for me, it's kind of I want to work out how I introduce drinking in a way that doesn't take away from that long-term goal of being healthy and happy and being really productive. I That's... mean, that sounds
0: great. Um, I, um, I tracked my drinking a couple of years ago because mm. I was concerned as a person working in beer. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I represent... The brewery a lot at events, uh, and at one point, all of that uh, social and professional activity happened um, with alcohol, around alcohol, mm. often around very heavy drinking, um, really quite sort of destructive drinking. Uh, and I engaged in, I, I guess, I engaged in in sort of drinking habits that have never really been my own, um, but you know. Sort tried to fit in I guess um anyway I tracked my drinking a couple of years ago and totted up that I one week through events through tap takeovers that mm-hmm. we'd done and festivals that we were at and then through hanging out with people in the industry I got through 70 units without yeah. really feeling drunk at any point yeah. And when I saw that on paper I was like holy fuck oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a fucking shit ton and i encouraged a bunch of uh, my colleagues here at the brewery to track their drinking and we got some really shocking mm. numbers through some people were way lower than they thought some people were way higher and that definitely encouraged me to take another um another little period off i took a month off and i, I felt great yeah I, I, you know within days i started sleeping better uh, my sleep was deeper um and I'm noticing exactly the same thing now. I'm like, you know, it's January the 3rd. Mm. Um, I, I had my last drink at probably one o'clock in the morning um, on New Year's Day mm. uh, as we celebrated in the new year here at the, at the tap room. And, um, and I've already started sleeping better. Yeah. And w- you know, I've been wearing like one of these activity tracking watches now for the past year and a bit. And I noticed that my heart rate when I'm stone cold sober, and I'm asleep gets down to like 49 Yeah,
1: mine too. Mine has dropped loads.
0: 46, you know, like by the end of the night my heart rate has really slowed down certainly in the very low 50s, mm-hmm. often in the high 40s. I've been through that data, you know, as accurate as it gets, there's a constant to its accuracy or inaccuracy, so I'm happy to I'm happy to rely on it. But um as accurate as it gets when I've had a drink, my heart rate only gets down to like the mid 70s the high 70s yeah which right now i mean you know i'm sat with this microphone in my hand mm-hmm. sat upright <laughs> on you know on my drum stool at my desk um we're talking i'm quite excited to talk and my heart rate is at 70 beats per minute mm. um and so it's not you know no wonder i don't feel as rested so i mean that's something that um that i keep uh, coming back to is like the 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 energy levels the way that my body feels the way it works I feel tiredness uh, more directly and I feel like it's more natural to respond to that
1: I think it becomes easier to if if you're not drinking it's just easier to actually notice all the different feelings that you're having and to know which ones you need to pay attention to and to just yeah like Oh, I'm tired, and to just think, oh, okay, I'll I'll go and rest then, and that's all right. Like, just becomes a little bit clearer. To yeah, see those it's things. funny
0: because you know, Im- immediately, like for m- for me, I I mean, I had a period in my twenties where I didn't drink for six years, mm. um, and that was very intentional because I felt like I was developing. Well, I definitely had developed uh, a- a- an addiction to smoking weed, um, and I didn't feel like my relationship with alcohol was particularly well controlled either I didn't mm-hmm. drink very regularly because it was too stoned uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when I did you know I would find that ah, oh, damn I didn't mean to get drunk I didn't mean to be hungover but here I am again mm. um, I was quite successful last year in dramatically lowering the number of days um, I suffered from a hangover but it's you know it's so awful to wake up and feel terrible and spend most of your day recovering um you know it's no wonder that when you get to the you know when you get to the end of that day you feel like you know rewarding yourself for having gotten through it with maybe a beer to chill out in the yeah. evening whereas you know i guess um i guess there's something that i really feel happens very quickly with me when i don't drink which is yeah, if I'm feeling if I'm feeling like I've got good energy, I want to use that. Like I want to go mm-hmm. and work out. If I feel like I'm tired, I uh, you know, if, irrespective of whatever social plans I've made, I'm just gonna go home and rest. Yeah. And I don't feel I, I this, it's weird. I'm quite a strong-willed person, but I, I feel like you know when I've made commitments to meet people in the pub and have a drink, that somehow, time and time again, like overtakes how i feel mm-hmm. i might be shattered and and i think this is you know this is one of the reasons why um why i started monitoring my alcohol intake um uh, a couple of years ago and taking regular breaks uh you know regular months off uh you know usually one or two a year um one or or two months off a year to give myself a sort of period of abstinence and reflection. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's kind of fascinating to me to look at how easy it is to slip back into putting drinking uh, very much in front of doing what, uh, when I'm not drinking, just feels very natural, like resting and eating better and Mm -hmm. working out and all that kind of stuff. It's fascinating, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. I think within the industry as well, I think it's really challenging because often we work kind of weird hours and the default is that you'll probably sit down in your place of work or at another bar after work. And then it's just kind of part and parcel of it. Yeah. And kind of, you know, if maybe you would have said to yourself, oh, I think today I'm not gonna drink, but then everyone's sitting down and you feel like you're gonna miss out. So you end up doing it anyway yeah. and you give yourself a really hard time. I think kind of as an industry, we we kind of just need to give ourselves some slack. And you know, if if we don't want to drink, or if someone else says they don't want to drink that day, instead of being like, "Oh, go on, like try this. I've just got this in, or whatever," like we should just just chill out a little bit. It's just a bit intense sometimes.
0: You know, I th- I, this is one of the fascinating things. I have no idea how it feels in other breweries, but mm. I do know uh, a couple of a couple of my colleagues here have taken very uh, uh, concrete steps to dramatically reduce how much they drink. Mm. It's it's definitely uh, you know it's definitely created a conversation or two that might not have taken place. I'm pretty vocal about the fact that I'm not drinking this month. I'm doing a dry January, and that's already triggered a few conversations that I don't think would have happened around why I'm doing that and what I think I'm going to get from it and how I think I'm going to feel and how some of my colleagues might feel uncomfortable about doing a doing a dry month or unsure about whether they're gonna feel any better or worried about the fact that they might feel worse. Mm. Um but I think that you know I think that the industry making more and more space to respect the fact that uh you know we're working around alcohol day in, day out. There are always uh beers here that we uh happily donate. One of the benefits of working at the brewery is we give a lot of ba- beer away to um, to the staffs uh, so that they can analyze our work in the comfort of their own home, mm-hmm. give some feedback, et cetera, et cetera, or just kick back and enjoy it. But it means that people are being given a lot of alcohol that i guess they're not really tracking because it's not like they're going down the pub and i had three pints from them at the pub yeah or i had like a glass and a half of you know wine at the at the restaurant with Mm -hmm. lunch that kind of drip feed that constant supply you know the events where the expectation Mm -hmm. is you meet up and you drink together um maybe till very late yeah you know maybe excessively Th- there is a lot of pressure in the industry so i think anything that we can do uh to remove that pressure and help people relax and feel comfortable to say hey i'm uh i'm not drinking at all
1: yeah i think one of the interesting things as well is that we're all so used to having either free or discounted booze <laughs> that um I think a lot of the time, we maybe are less inclined to track our consumption because it's not having as much of an impact on our wallet as it would if we worked in a different industry.
0: For sure, totally. Um
1: And that's something that I keep thinking about at the moment because if I, if I were to drink the way I used to drink, um, and I don't think that was even like astonishing amounts, but it was like, you know, regular kind of pint here, pint there kind of thing. And I'd have spent a lot of money if if I was paying normal for sure. prices for that for that stuff and like when you go to events and it's just kind of free, so I think it's yeah it's just that kind of, I think we've just lost our our look, kind of grasp on on what's realistic a little bit.
0: Yeah, I quite agree. I mean, that's that's one thing that I immediately started tuning into. Mm. Uh, as I say, this it, it's weird because it's such a simple change in life to to abstain from drinking alcohol for a period of time just immediately causes me to reflect on things like this Mm -hmm. um that's one of the reasons why i find it pretty useful um that i guess that kind of goes into um rachel uh from over in in harrogate she runs a, a wonderful women on tap uh festival every year and lots of other events um she's wrote in uh, on twitter uh, with a question um y- saying it's supposed to be better health wise to reduce alcohol to less days a week all year than to do a full dry month yeah i wonder if for a lot of people finances are the main driver in january in in a might as well as some skin anyway way anyway uh, Please talk about how, if you're not fully skinned, you can continue to support the beer industry and pubs throughout January, whilst all are also still fulfilling your own personal goals. I mean, yeah. w- w- I guess we've already covered a little bit. Yeah,
1: like, go to the pub and spend your money. But, yeah,
0: I mean, but buy it,
1: the buy the good stuff.
0: I think <laughs> I think the onus is on the the onus is on, as we've said pubs and bars to accommodate their community's needs yeah and if and if 10 percent of your customers are choosing to be dry in january i think berating them is not a good look i think putting a good selection (laughs) um uh of on your bar available promoting that uh, you know, making sure that you're advertising yourself as, a, as an inclusive space and not just a space for people to come and drink and that's it. Because you know, I've been to a lot of beer bars with my mother, who doesn't particularly my like mom drinking. My drink. You know, <laughs> and and it and it uh, it it's always sad when I get to I get to sort of go somewhere and I say, let's go. You know, let's go and check this place out, mum. And walk in and there's there's some great really great beer and I'm having the time of my life and (laughs) you know she's got like a super sad drink that she doesn't really care about It's yeah yeah,
1: I think that's a really big thing if I'm not drinking and I know that I'm meeting friends in a certain place and like maybe I haven't chosen the venue or whatever and I go and there's not something that I want but you kind of feel like you have to buy something because you're there enjoying the space so you should contribute and, and you're socializing and people feel weird if you don't have a drink of some form in your hand but then I get, I feel really resentful if the drink that I've bought is like a pint of Coke, because I'm just like, I don't want that. I don't want to spend yeah, my money on sure. that. Like, I want to spend my money and feel good about having spent it. So yeah, it's totally about giving people something decent to pay for.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's definitely the way in which you know you can get out there and support uh, pubs that are in turn supporting your choices. Mm. Um, I think that's something that I would definitely say in response to Rachel's question there. I completely resonate with the argument that that it's helpful to look at your entire year Mm -hmm. and not just focus on having one month off and then obliterating yourself for 11 months of the year.
1: I always think it's weird. If you're going to take a month off, I don't think that then on the 1st of February you should go and get shit faced. I think that's <laughs> a really weird attitude. Or,
0: or just throw abandon to like your drinking Everything, habits for the rest yeah, of the year.
1: Like I think it's taking a break from something is a nice way to give yourself headspace to actually give it deeper thoughts. So I feel for like sure. taking a break and not having any consideration or thinking at all about how you drink, I personally don't think is that valuable. Yeah. Um, and for me, if, if you're taking the break, then it's time to be reflective and to be considered and to plan a little bit for, for the future, I think, anyway.
0: I completely agree. I've, I've, I have I've know people uh, who have taken a, a week, two weeks, three days, like a month, whatever, off uh, drinking and then used that for months and months and months as an excuse for why... Drinking too much and f- and not feeling, you know, when I say drinking too much, I mean like feeling the ill effects the next day, mm. regretting uh, your decisions, regretting not making decisions and actually just going with the flow in a sort of passive way that ends up feeling like it's screwing you up in mentally or physically or financially or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I've definitely encountered a whole bunch of people uh, that uh, you know have taken a, a period of time off and then felt like that's given them free a free pass. But um, you know, whilst whilst I've found uh, a, a small number of people uh, that have used an abstinent period like that, I do find most of the time when I speak to people that um, either don't drink a lot in general. Um, or take regular periods of abstinence it's more because they've ref- they're reflecting on it yeah you know mo- thankfully these days I'm I, you know I feel incredibly lucky that I've got wonderful friends in the industry um that don't drink a lot uh, and <laughs> so you know the the pressure's not there the the habit's not there um and I find that really useful um i guess you know i, I guess one way to look at like taking a break or not taking a break and just trying to moderate is um again i i already just a, just a few days in um there are already changes that i'm noticing about my quality of sleep mm. uh, therefore about my energy levels i feel better today than i have done in months and months yeah and that's while there's like there's this ho- horrible virus going around in <laughs> manchester that's struck my wife down i'm desperate <laughs> not to get it i'm pretty paranoid that i'm going to get it and be horrendously sick this weekend but but i feel great i feel mm. full of energy um and and that's that's a really cool thing. And I'm I'm very keen. I've set out like a whole list of achievements that I want to get through with the extra time mm-hmm. that I've got. I mean, I know that we're both saying, yeah, we're still going to, you know, still going to get to the pub, still going to hang out with people, um, still going to make sure that we're putting money over the till. I mean, I probably can get to more pubs this month than I usually <laughs> would because I can bloody drive between them if I want to, <laughs> you know? That's true. Um, or, or, I'm, or I'm not going to get to one place and have that first pint. and be like, oh, I can't be asked going anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, we all know that happens a lot. Oh, my God. Um, so so I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping that this month I can... I'm hoping to get out and about in Manchester and see who's got what offering uh, yeah. for me, you know? And, and either... I'm hoping that I'll be able to give some places a bit of a boost and a bit of a nod uh, for looking after me as a as mm-hmm. a drinker that's abstinent for a month. Uh, if not, I'll certainly be having a, a word in a couple of people's ears about ways in which they could probably think about <laughs> putting offering. better offerings in front of people, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think this argument about, you know, moderating over the course of the year... Um, is is reasonable but but I just don't feel like um attempting that moderation over the course of the year offers you the same opportunity to learn new habits mm. and maybe kind of relate to yourself and the world around you differently as a period of abstinence does yeah you know
1: I think for me, having a break from it completely is kind of essential to being able to moderate because in that break, you realize what it's like to not have that thing that you have and like you will have to deal with things a bit differently. So like stress is a big one. Like if you have a stressful day and normally you would sit down and have a beer or a glass of wine and and you wouldn't necessarily think about the fact that you're hiding from your stress with that. But then if you have a period of time where you can't do that, you start to really notice what stress feels like and then you start to think about why you're actually feeling stressed. And then you start to think about what you can do to get rid of it and you just start to learn I think you learn skills about how to cope with things so kind of when I am drinking now a rule that I have for myself is that if I'm really unhappy or if I'm really stressed and anxious those are the times when I will not have a drink because those are the times when I think I should I should process things without it
0: that's dope i mean i kind of yeah, i do something similar when i'm really tired mm. i've not slept and maybe usually that's because of stress you know kind of uh, thankfully it's not happened for a while but <laughs> i used to wake up a lot in the middle of the night like <gasps> yeah. you know, thinking about some oh, business God. pressure um, or, or <laughs> something that you know it used to happen you know, running uh, running all of our social media back in the day that stuff used to get to be pretty bad and I used to wake up in the middle of the night you know what's what's kicking off now yeah um but I used to, I used to, you know, come into work super tired, or or, or be in my, um, you know, downtime at home really tired, and I'd instinctively want to reach for like sugar and caffeine, yeah, to like boost me up and get me through the day. And I mean, it must have been years ago now. I didn't eat sugar for a year. Uh, no refined sugar, um, you know, and I also didn't have any caffeine because mm. I knew that I was using. This was in that period of abstinence, by the way. So yeah, I, really, I really laid it on things. thick. <laughs> um, I, you know, yeah, I did because you know I very much felt like, oh, I'm, um, you know, if I'm taking caffeine because otherwise I can't get through the day, then I'm just using that as a bit of a crutch. Why aren't I figuring out how to rest uh, more effectively? Yeah. You know, what, like how can I figure out how to be more at ease, how to de-stress? How to boost my energy levels, Mm. but in that non kind of like short term artificial way. Um, And so, yeah, I completely resonate with that. I I do think a period of abstinence gives you a pause for reflection. Um, It helps you like reframe uh, your entire relationship uh, with stress. It helps you reframe. For me, I'm quite an anxious person, I've suffered a lot with anxiety, I've had phobias of tens of things over the years, panic, you name it. Yeah. Um and I, I and you know and again I find periods of abstinence really useful to help me appreciate the fact that like hitting the gym and lifting weights is far more effective than anything else I've ever done personally. Mm. Um for chilling out and relaxing as is like I mean it's cliche but it like taking a nice walk in the park. Yeah. Going to go, you know, going to see a, a movie and laughing yeah. your tits off for <laughs> a, a couple of hours. All these things are, are like really effective ways of de-stressing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot that you are somewhat sort of uh, forced to explore when you're not just clocking off work and having that decompression. Uh, uh, drink with your colleagues or meeting up with people at the weekend to mm. kind of you know maximize your time off by by being intoxicated. Yeah, um, definitely. Wh- what should people be wary of? You know, if if like if you're thinking about the fact that you know taking this taking this point uh, in time, this you know this month of January off drinking. Like, what should people be? Uh, be mindful of so that they don't return to like their drinking habits with a uh, complete abandon and <laughs> kind of you know you, you, were, you yeah. were laughing before about you know don't get smashed on on february the first
1: yeah i mean i said to myself that i was going to do 100 days and then i did 100 days and then it, it i thought well that's been really good i'll just carry on for a bit because i was really wary of the fact that i didn't want to have a drink on day 101 because <laughs> i just felt like that was just rewarding myself yeah with the thing that i've been thinking about so it's like, that would be a bit weird um so i waited a few weeks more and then i actually found the first drink that i had i had a half of beer and then i felt really upset with myself and i felt really anxious about it and then i was like oh I actually did feel quite drunk. I'm only small and my tolerance has gone. Um, and then I felt really stressed about it. And then I was like, oh my God, you're giving yourself such a hard time over this. So I feel like there is the kind of danger of overthinking it as well. But I think a few people have said to me like, oh, if, if you have to take a break, then that's a problem. Then you must have a problem. Or like if you have to make rules for the way that you want to drink, then that must be a problem. Well, I think that's a really naive way to look at it because... Like working in the beer industry, like it can be quite a dangerous environment if you don't make rules for yourself and if you don't give it deep thought.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Um, So yeah, I I think
0: I would argue against that in two ways. I think not having any rules is really fucked up and dangerous. (laughs) Like if your rule is there's no rules and I'm going to do whatever I want, then you are just ignoring science. You're ignoring (laughs) like worldwide health data on the dangers of drinking. (laughs) Um, You know, like that's not cool. Second thing, um, like of the people that I've encountered inside and outside the industry, they have their own fucking rules, which is we are drinking tonight <laughs> and, and, and again, um, like they might not have identified that so clearly to themselves, mm. but it's pretty obvious because all roads tend to lead to that bottle of wine or at home or uh, or to the pub that mm-hmm. evening. Um, and so they might not feel like that's a rule, but it's damn well a very reinforced habit yeah um so you know i i completely agree with you i think the whole concept of taking a break giving yourself that sort of uh, pause for reflection i think it's a really healthy and positive thing to do and i would definitely encourage anybody that's curious about it and really try and encourage anybody that's like annoyed at the suggestion (laughs) um, to give Give it it a a shot (laughs) um you know and i say that as someone who's uh, whose business is in uh, you know in the manufacture of alcoholic beverages?
1: Yeah. But I think that that's something that, that, as an industry, I think we're just so afraid of this conversation that we just make it a very difficult one to have. Um,
0: there's, I don't think there's a need to be to be as afraid of it.
1: No, there, there definitely isn't, and I think I think that is gradually changing. But Yeah, I think in terms of things to look out for, I guess like physically you will notice some changes. If you are a regular drinker, you will find changes. And obviously, if any of those are alarming, then you should always seek some advice on that. But yeah, I guess look out for physical changes. I guess cravings can be a thing that happens. I think if you're not a very heavy drinker, then that will be more of like a desire than a physical need for something. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it's just giving yourself space to kind of notice all these feelings and just not panic with them
0: like yeah totally like i mean you know working in beer i often have to come to the brewery and sample beer mm. sometimes first thing in the morning at any point during the day that can be part of my job um gosh it must have been a must have been a couple of years ago now i remember um wondering why every afternoon was like less productive than i thought it <laughs> should be and so i started spitting uh, all of the samples that I, yeah. we used to drink through the, you know, we used to drink through the entire cellar. Mm. So I'd have a sample from every fermenter. Yeah. Um, and back then it was only eight, but then we got more, and the the numbers grew. And, and I remember like totting up, like a pint and a half mm. of beer that I'd spat out. That was like seven percent. And I was thinking, shit, no wonder, no wonder I felt less productive. Yeah. In the afternoon, you know, uh, and then no wonder, like during the day, you know, you, you, you especially working in the industry, you're having these samples of beer. I mean, you enjoy the flavor. That's mm. why we. That's why we work in beer. It yeah, tastes great. And so, I definitely notice um when I have periods where I'm not drinking. I'll think about beer still. I'll think about how tasty it is. I'll think <laughs> yeah. about the fun times that I've had with lovely people mm. um, around drinking beer. I'll think about how exciting some of the beer experiences are as sensory experiences. Um, and I don't feel uncomfortable about that at all. Mm. You know, it's there's nothing weird. To, it's kind of like humming a tune in your head or something. You know, it's like not quite the same, but doesn't make me feel like I've got a problem with music i don't know whether that's a sort of good yeah you know, yeah
1: no that makes sense um
0: but i i, I certainly find that you know when i'm too choo- when i've chosen not to drink I, I will still think about having a drink and mm-hmm. i'll think about how nice it can be and that doesn't make me feel like i've got a problem because I, lo and behold i enjoy it
1: yeah <laughs> it's kind of kind of what you do so, <laughs> so
0: yeah so I, like i don't feel i don't feel like people should be should be kind of nervous about you know, I'm I'm gonna I have no aspiration to have this period of time not drinking and also not think about beer at all. I mm-hmm. mean, it goes without saying it's my job to think yeah. about beer a <laughs> lot, so I do. But, you know, if you're somebody that's a that's a that's a, a casual drinker or you even if you're an enthusiast and you spend a lot of your time obsessing about beer, like, don't expect to take a month off and never think about beer yeah, totally. never think about the wonderful flavors or the aromas or whatever like that's going to happen and that's cool yeah i guess it's kind of like you know when we when we meditate um thoughts happen uh, incessantly all yeah. the time it's maddening you just don't have to attach yourself to any of them and build them up and give them energy mm-hmm. so when that thought arises like oh wouldn't it be nice to have a drink i'd be like yeah it would but I've decided not to do that. I'm not doing it. Yeah.
1: I actually, when I took that break, one of the best things about it was that I kind of instantly felt quite relieved just because I knew that for a fixed period of time, I'd made one decision that meant I didn't have to make any more decisions to do with drinking. So if I went to the pub and I bump into one of the regulars and they're like, oh, I'll get you, you know, whatever I normally drink, I can just say, no, because I've decided I'm not going to. And I don't have to think, oh, am I going to, am I going to derail my afternoon by having a couple of pints now? And whereas in other times I might have gone and and that would have happened and and I may not have wanted to drink, but I would have drank and then I don't cook a nutritious meal or I don't exercise or that kind of stuff. So it was really nice to have made one decision that eliminated the need for any others.
0: Totally. Um, So there's a lot going on uh, this month. Mm. Uh, There are a few events that are happening that people can in get in get involved with whether they're whether they're partaking in dry january or not um there's a, a club soda event happening in a couple of weeks right
1: yeah so club soda are having their mindful drinking festival on the oh god 18th and 19th of january i really hope that's the right it's that weekend um so that's going to be in london at truman brewery um, and that's going to be a huge gathering of loads of interesting low and no drinks um, that you can buy. There'll be loads of talks, um, workshops, all sorts of things going on. We'll be there with the soda. Yeah, obviously. For sure. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be good. Um, and then we're we haven't actually properly announced these yet, but we're doing we're doing it now. We're going to <laughs> <laughs> be uh, we're launching collaborative sodas this month. So we're launching one with Bundabust. And we're launching one with Nanban in London.
0: So we've just drank the Nanban. Oh my soda. god! Um, I I, yeah, I will say to anybody listening to it, wondering why they they aren't already out. We we're a working brewery. Uh, uh, we we are generally packing uh, these sodas with a little bit of um, residual carbohydrate, and we obviously have a lot of yeast, uh, active yeast in in the in the building. Uh, although we clean everything and sterilize everything to to the highest possible standard, we always give ourselves about a week or two between packing the sodas and releasing them out to the wild to make sure that our lab results come back, that none of the yeast that is in our beer has gotten <laughs> through uh, our packaging lines or centrifuge or equipment. Uh, to the sodas. So we're having this little test can here. Have we got one of the uh, best ones? As well? <laughs> Have we? Should, we? should we crack that open and see what that's like? The Nanban one was incredible. That was so tasty.
1: That was, yeah. So that one's Yuzu and... I can't do it with one hand. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that
1: let one's Yuzu and see, Bergamot, I'm the Nanban.
0: Okay, we're both sat in front of laptops and terrified of... Uh, <laughs> Pouring soda all over it. Here's the uh, the bundabust one.
1: Can I just hold my cup out?
0: Yeah, totally. Oh shit! A liquid <laughs> angle. Okay, there you go. So, uh, you. what's what's the crack with the the bundabust one?
1: Oh man, that smells good. Um, so bundabust, we've made a fruit chart. So it's basically like a spiced fruit salad in soda format. So you holy fucking shit! I've, I've not tried it yet. Let me try it.
0: That's incredible. I'm not. I'm, I'm re- I really don't think I've had a drink like that before.
1: Ah, oh, that's exactly how we wanted that to turn out. That's great. So it's um, we've got mango, pineapple, and passion fruit, and then we've used cumin seeds, which is not an appealing word, but I always think cumin gives something that kind of nice, <laughs> nice sweaty thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Like nice yep. sweat. Um, and then we've got just a little bit of chili, and quite a bit of salt, um, and mosaic hops. But it gives it that amazing like, it's it's just like having a fucking great sour, isn't it? It's like <laughs> having a really
0: incredible sour beer with none of the alcohol whatsoever.
1: So sorry, Bundo. I've kind of uh, told everyone about that now. Before we've finished chatting about it, but...
0: we 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 will maybe email both parties tonight and find out whether By that happens. Otherwise, we can edit this bit out. Um, yeah, they 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 both taste fantastic. They are really exciting. I think what we've done as a what we've done already with cloud water soda has been good. These two collaborations though, they really show me personally just what's possible. Yeah. with soda with 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 zero alcohol beverages, I find them both very very exciting. Yeah. Um and I really can't wait for people to try them. That the taste is incredible.
1: That the warmth you yeah. get like the first sip i was like i'm not getting the chili and then you have a couple more sips and it's just like oh tingly warm that's magic it is absolutely (laughs) incredible i'm pretty buzzing about that (laughs) um
0: yeah I'd, i'd heartily encourage uh folk to to get out and see what's available i mean even if you're not engaging in dry january at all um there are some cool events we've mentioned the club soda one we know that Brewdog are doing an alcohol free festival they've just announced that they're turning over one of their bars to it, you have know, you it,
1: seen the pictures
0: it looks incredible yeah, like i mean i think good. i think this is brew are showing real leadership here in how to engage with a change in drinking habits you know they're not out there berating customers and jumping up and down and saying you fools you know <laughs> think you know think about think about the industry instead they're doing what i think is far more uh, rational and sensible and um Giving people what they're asking for.
1: Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm quite excited to go and have a look at that.
0: As someone that's taking a uh, a year of uh, of of veganism, um, I'm a little bit sad that there's lactose um, (laughs) in uh, in their alcohol-free beers. I, I, you know, I'm also lactose intolerant, so I would not drink. (laughs) I would not drink uh, those particular beverages anyway because I they they don't uh, work out too well for my body. But I think it's super fucking cool. Yeah. um, you know, I would I would very much look forward to uh, to more breweries getting involved um, in that sort of way. You know, in their own way, in some way, shape or form. So Definitely. I think I think that there's a lot that um, I think there's a lot that you can benefit from. Uh, you know, on a on a on a personal level, um, I'm certainly, as I've said before, really looking forward to getting out and about in Manchester and elsewhere in the country and and trying to get my head around what's out there for people uh, that aren't drinking uh you know how can i kind of see the world that i move about in in it through a, a really quite different lens yeah. um i'm looking forward to those experiences i'm looking forward to discovering uh, new relationships with places that i love and and hopefully also new places too um and i think that's something that you know aside from all of the personal health benefits and the time and the energy better sleep etc you know i'm really looking forward to the rest of the month um uh, what are you looking forward to most
1: um oh i mean i'm actually quite nervous about a lot of things this month but just because there's a lot going on but i guess i'm really looking forward to the mindful drinking festival just because it's always amazing um
0: so uh, we went to um we went to the f- a festival last year yeah that presented like an incredible array of drinks like i had flavor experiences there that were just as exciting as any flavor experience i've had through beer yeah but with no alcohol yeah the atmosphere was incredible same kind of jovial conversation you know like a lot of lovely people i'm i'm really hoping i can make it to uh, the mindful drinking festival I in january so, yeah um, it's yeah, so. going to be an absolute blast i've got a couple more questions come through um from twitter so let's dig into them mm-hmm. before we tie things up um do you not have to taste new batches to ensure they are right would that count as drinking booze or are you making an exception as it's a professional requirement this is from billy on twitter um i am still sampling beer as part of my job i am spitting that mm-hmm. um i mean twice yesterday I forgot to spit but it's a tiny little what? sample so you know I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna uh, chastise myself too harshly for that but... that's
1: the thing when I was on my break there were a couple of times because I work at North Bruco as well and I do the tastings and things there so there were a couple of times where I tasted new beers and I would have literally a sip and I think I tasted in that three months I think I tasted three things Um, And I didn't spit them out. And I was like, I'm not going to give myself shit for that. Because ultimately for me, it's not necessarily about not having a drop. It's about not being intoxicated. Yeah, absolutely. More more than that.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: But I also think there have been times in the past where I've used the fact that I have to taste for my job as an excuse to have a beer. Like, oh, it's you know whatever time in the afternoon something new came on we'd better taste it and i think you know i could just have a sip but i'm having more than that because it's it's work right so i think there's that kind of that's that conflicting little thing but yeah you can spit it out it's fine
0: yeah absolutely there's no shame in that um i mean i totally got into that habit as well going to some uh, wine fairs because it's pretty easy to get drunk as hell at a wine fair if you don't spit oh my god um So spitting is yeah whatever it's really good it's great to do at work. I've got a question here from John. Um, you guys have gone down the route of producing soda as an alcohol-free range rather than no or low alcohol beer. I'd be interested in your thinking behind that. Why one and not the other? um I think the answer to that, John, is is pretty simple. We've covered it in a couple of uh, of articles that we've uh, put out, but. Um, alcohol free beer whilst it can be delicious uh, is something that that we feel is really appropriate for evenings and times when you'd usually be drinking alcohol and and really rather not so appropriate for times where you'd rather not mm. think about beer reach for uh, something that tastes as close as it possibly can to beer um, I guess we I guess we fancy that uh soda gives us uh, a, a range of drinks that you can enjoy any time of the day or night you're not sort of luring yourself into that alcohol flavor space as, yeah. as solidly you know we ad- we address our sodas and say you're know, bringing bring you the sort of flavor combinations from the brewery but you know without the alcohol um but we're not we're not giving you that kind of beer flavor mm. um th- there might be a, there might be a lot of ingredients that are unique and novel to beer but it's not quite the same thing
1: yeah and i think you know we've talked about it before in articles and things but just the idea that we can actually reach more people because if you don't like beer or if you've never drank beer you're not going to drink an alcohol free beer if, if you like flavor and someone says, here's a soda that has nice flavor, you're more likely to drink that. Yeah, so I think sure. it means we reach more people. Something I've noticed about myself in the last few days is that my house is currently packed full of alcohol free drinks. Like I get sent a lot of samples anyway, but I ordered loads of stuff for Christmas because um, we actually had we had a dry Christmas day in our household. And we've got loads of like alcohol free gins, Proseccos, beers, all sorts of stuff. That I really enjoy. But in the last few days, I haven't been drinking any of them because I just don't want to drink anything that I even associate with alcohol because I just don't fancy it right now. Yeah. So sure. actually, at the moment, I'm drinking, I'm not just saying this, I'm drinking soda and I'm drinking loads of tea and loads of water as well. So I think it's, it's actually even if, yeah, it's the association, I think, that those products do still remind you of an alcoholic drink and and sometimes you're just a bit bit out of out of love for it and and that's okay (laughs) yeah
0: totally i i completely agree um we've got a, a series of tweets here from uh hop forward um asking uh you know about abstaining and kind of give you know doing that as a as a way of reflecting on uh your relationship with alcohol in particular Using that point of absence to just make sure that you don't have a problem that you don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. that you're not that your body isn't producing those sort of physical craving mm. signs. Um, I do think that's really useful. I mean, I think yeah. if you're worried that you have a problem with alcohol, I do think stopping for a period of time is a good thing to do to test the water and see what happens. Yeah. Does it drive you crazy? Do you can can you not do it can you not go through with your plan um i i think it, i i think i would suggest that if you can't uh impose a period of abstinence at all um it you know it might well be that alcohol's got a bit of a hold on yeah, you it's a problematic um, thing but, you know of course i will say that if you can stop for a week or two or even muscle through four, <laughs> but then you're absolutely obsessed with it and drinking at lunchtime mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. You know, all the kind of problematic things that we can see uh, people do when they do have problems with alcohol. Um you know, drinking every day, drinking excessively, feeling the harmful effects, et cetera. I think if you can muscle through some weeks, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have a problem. I think just, you know, be honest with yourself about how you feel. Yeah. You know, if that break feels good for you and it feels something like something positive then you probably don't have any issues if it feels really fucking hard Mm. um you know and you and you just can't stop thinking about it and you're getting physical craving symptoms i think you probably ought to you know you probably ought to seek out um some further advice and help
1: yeah i mean um there seems to still be this quite dated idea that either um you're an alcoholic or you're normal And I think we need to just accept that there's a huge gray area in between where like, yeah, just because drinking doesn't control your life doesn't mean that you don't necessarily have some issues with the way that you drink. And I think taking a break, it gives you the chance to explore that. I found when I stopped for a bit, I actually had some quite horrible realizations about my history with drinking and, and why I started drinking in certain ways that were really uncomfortable to sit with um yep and that doesn't mean that i have a terrible drinking problem it just means that i've noticed something about the way that i was drinking that i didn't like and then i can do something about it like
0: for sure like some of the ways in which like you're triggered to drink yeah or or you find yourself the way that you find yourself drinking to overcome like social anxiety you know so you can start to work on that sort of stuff i think it's uh i think it's definitely something uh that's that's that a period of absence uh you know really helps you uncover Um, we've got a couple more that I want to get to here. Um, Craig is asking for recommendations for non-shit alcohol-free beers. Okay. Um, it has been a while since I have really dabbled with alcohol-free beer. I mean, I definitely have had a sip of um, Punk AF. I haven't tried the Hazy AF. The Punk AF I thought was pretty fucking good. Um, w- what recommendations could you make for Craig for an alcohol-free beer that you think is tasting pretty banging?
1: I mean um big drop I think in the UK are doing some pretty exciting things um and I do think their stout is really good you know I also think whenever you're approaching an alcohol-free alternative don't place the expectations on it that you would put on a full-strength beer like it's just not going to be the same experience so I kind of treat these drinks as a, a sort of a totally separate category like it's just a tasty drink it doesn't have to live up to the best stout I ever had Mm. um so Mm. like big drops um stout is a personal favorite for me I actually think the mazel weiss is is a pretty good pretty good wheat beer um trying to think what else I usually go for drop bear beer drop yeah drop bear beer um are doing they do three beers now there's a pretty interesting again like I wouldn't say they're comparable to to a nice pale ale but it has it's reminiscent of that and it has some lovely flavor and some good body to it and it's an enjoyable drink I do think um the Thornbridge Big Easy which I think they've just rebranded but I can't remember what they've renamed it but that's a cracker I think yeah
0: for sure Uh, okay that's great um that's some really good recommendations there um I, I rachel is coming through on this account too uh, and i guess we yeah i guess we've got to cover um her prompts here yes you definitely can still support pubs and the and the industry throughout january um by being in bars and pubs and and exploring their alcohol free options and taking in their food uh, however you want to do that um Michael Kaiser here. Perhaps someone needs to send the message that making fun of dry January isn't a good look. I completely agree. I I think we've been quite (laughs) thorough about that. Um, I don't think mocking consumers' choices is uh, is a good look. Um, And again, there are things that we can do uh, as an industry to offer people what they want or be respectful when they don't want what we make um like that's something that we already have to do <laughs> uh you know I'm quite mindful of the fact that folk don't just drink our beer um i i don't just drink our beer um and so that's something that i'm already comfortable with <laughs> so yeah definitely um it would be a really good move for the industry i think to um to rein in its attempt at sort of mocking people taking time off. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that are going to be put off <laughs> by that. As we, you know, as we started this whole thing with uh, billions of people that don't drink alcohol, uh, <laughs> maybe tuning into your <laughs> mocking tweet and thinking, <laughs> you know, look at look at all the people you're putting off pal. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Look, Anya, it's been great to talk. Uh, thanks very much for sharing some of your experiences and reflections. Um, I think that this is. A really cool month for getting out and about and seeing what's available. Um, The festivals that we've outlined are going to be great experiences for people that want to see what's available to them. Really exciting beverages that don't, um, uh, don't get you drunk. Really exciting beverages that still give you a lot of those unique Um, flavor experiences that you're looking for in beer um, and in other drinks categories you know there's some really interesting um, alcohol-free spirits out there Um, so I think it's I you know I'm, I'm excited to um, experience plenty of new things in the same way that I'd be excited to experience new things in beer. Yeah. Um, and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm super positive about it. I'm already feeling pretty good, a few, uh, just a couple of days in here. So uh, yeah, roll on the rest of the month. Um, let's do, let's do a little bit of a catch up at the end of the month um, and compare notes. <laughs> See um, how it went. I'm not going to hold you to. Um, <laughs> to your what if I'm really hungover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first of February, we'll both be like, yeah, suffering. No, it's not gonna be like that, but let's uh let's get together at the end of the month and, and have a bit of a catch up and see how it all went. Definitely. Thanks for your time. Thanks. <laughs>